Romans chapter 4. If you'll turn there in your copy of the scripture this morning. Romans chapter 4. Beginning at verse 1. This text reads as follows. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, has found? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wage is not credited as a favor, but as what is due. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. I'm using as a subject for these verses this morning, how is man justified? The most important question of man's existence is this. How can he be right with God? If you take a survey of the man on the street, or even some church members, the reply may be akin to that of the Smith Barney Investment Firm's commercial of some years ago. Maybe you remember that commercial. There was an elderly gentleman who was um, quite grave. He had gravitas. He's an actor, John Hausman. I remember it really well. And the tagline that he repeated for that investment firm was this. We make money the old-fashioned way. We earn it. (laughs) That is the notion for how many people, how some people believe one comes into a right relationship with God. They believe it is by self-effort. They believe it is by their works. They believe that they earn it. The anniversary of the Protestant Reformation, which we remarked about just a moment ago, reminds us that the Roman Catholic Church held and still holds this view that you have to earn it. According to their teaching, justification or being justified by faith is like this. Get the equation. Faith plus works equals justification. The equation shows that works... Our works righteousness play a saving role in their doctrine of justification. To put it differently, you must earn your justification. The reformers protested. They protested this theological idea, this assertion as to how man comes into a right relationship with God. They asserted that It is like this. Listen to this. Faith equals justification plus works. Let me restate that. Faith equals justification plus works. In other words, one is justified by faith and works follow. Works or efforts have no saving role. What you can see immediately in comparison of these two ideas about how a man is right with God, that we have utterly different means of being saved. In fact, the Reformers developed a Latin language slogan to capture the important truth of justification by faith alone. And that phrase is this, sola fide, faith alone. 
In fact, sola fide, or faith alone, was the material cause of the Reformation. The material cause, what that means is, it was the chief matter under dispute. The Reformers disputed with Rome as to how one comes into a right relationship with God. And they were right in saying that justification is by faith alone, for it is at the heart of the gospel. If one denies justification by faith alone, one denies the gospel. If you say it is faith plus works, you're saying, I have a different gospel. A gospel that includes works in order to be justified or saved is a counterfeit gospel. It is no more useful than someone who has counter uh, confederate money going into a retail establishment and hoping to purchase some items. Romans chapter 1 verse 17 shows us that sola fide is the heart of the gospel. Romans 1.17, Paul pens these words, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed. The word it is referring to the gospel which is mentioned in verse 16. It is in the gospel that the righteousness of God is revealed. And that God imputes his own righteousness to those who believe. Paul continues here from faith to faith. Faith, then not works, is how this righteousness is appropriated by sinners. It's by faith. It's from faith to faith. Nothing but faith can put us in a right relationship with God. Paul quotes Habakkuk 2.4 and he says, The righteous, but the righteous man shall live by faith. He is saying the righteous man shall live by faith. It's a way of life. It's a way of life. So it's in the gospel that the righteousness of God is revealed. How you can be right with him. And we need the righteousness of God. Do you not agree? Why does man need the righteousness of God? It's because apart from salvation in Christ we're all unrighteous. Righteousness defined as, now get this, perfectly conforming to God's perfect law and holy character. None does this. No one perfectly conforms to God's uh, perfect law. None conforms perfectly to his character. Paul spends time elaborating this reality in chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. He just goes through there and he just tells us verse after verse after verse about the unrighteousness of men, verse 18, and that men suppress the truth in unrighteousness. He goes all the way through verse 32 to tell us, and then he moves in chapter 2, and he talks about those who are moral, and yet they condemn others, and they do the same things. He continues in chapter 2, saying that the Jews are condemned by the law. Paul gets to chapter 3. And in verse 10 of chapter 3, 
He says, as it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. We're unrighteous by nature. And our sinfulness is universal. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There are no exceptions. So the Apostle Paul teaches the unrighteousness of men from Romans chapter 1 verse 18 through Romans chapter 3 verse 20. At 321 of Romans, Paul writes, But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. He begins to enunciate how righteousness from God comes. He begins to expound the doctrine of justification by faith. Chapter 4. It's where we are this morning. He presents the case of Abraham with respect to the doctrine of justification by faith. How was Abraham justified? Why did Paul make Abraham his case? He presented Abraham because the apostle at this point wanted to undermine the lies that had been perpetrated by Judaism. He stormed the citadel of Judaism with divine truth. This is what they were saying. Judaism uh, thought that Abraham gained a right standing with God because of his own righteousness. Jewish apocryphal books taught that Abraham was justified by keeping God's law. Some rabbis regarded Abraham as, quote, one who has not sinned against thee. End of quote. None of this is so. And Paul lays out the truth about Abraham and he lays out the truth about us. None of us, including Abraham, kept God's law. The first point justification is not by human achievement. You better get that in your mind. Justification, being in a right standing with God, you don't get there by human achievement. There is nothing you can do that can get you right with him. Paul ties it here. Verse 1. You notice, what then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to flesh, has found? He ties it back to verse 30. And here, that's talking about justification by faith. Paul talks about Abraham as our forefather. He was uh, physically the father of the Jews. And for Jews and Gentiles, he is the father of them by faith. Romans 4, verses 11 and 12. Paul says, well, with this whole issue of how you come into a right relationship with God, what has Abraham found? Verse 2. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. Let's understand this word, justified. It's a forensic or legal term. It means to be declared righteous. 
We can expand on the meaning of this word by saying this. It describes a judge declaring a, an accused person not guilty and therefore innocent before the law. Justified. For if Abraham was justified and declared righteous by his works, he can't do that before God. To declare that he was justified before God by, or justified by works, such an idea means that he merited his own salvation. It means that he accomplished it by his own effort. It means that he saved himself. In the Smith Barney commercial's words, he earned it. And he would have something to boast about. But Paul says, not before God. Now, you say, I don't quite get this. I, I don't understand what Paul is saying here because this is kind of condensed. And Paul, in his reasoning, all, is often condensed. And we have to fill in the steps he used to reach his conclusion. Because he makes a statement. Then he says he has something to boast about, but not before God. What do you mean, Paul? Uh, how, how do you get to that conclusion? Well, commentator and professor John Murray he comes to our aid by providing a syllogism. A syllogism, of course, is a form of reasoning. And John Murray puts it like this, number one, the major premise. If a man is justified by works, he has grounds of boasting. The minor premise. Abraham was justified by works. Conclusion. Therefore, Abraham had grounds for boasting. However, step two of the minor premise is wrong. Abraham was not justified by works. Paul refutes the conclusion by saying, but not before God. There are no grounds for boasting. Well, how does Paul refute the minor premise? That is step two. And the conclusion in his syllogism that I presented. He turns to the word of God. That's where you always go. To settle any issue, you want to go to the, what does the word of God say? And he does that in verse 3. We've seen justification is not by human achievement. He, he, Abraham wasn't justified by his works. Point number two, justification is by faith. But what does the scripture say? Scripture is our authority in all manner, matters of faith and practice. You agree? Amen. That is what we believe and how we are to live our, out our faith. The Protestant reformers held to what is called sola scriptura, scripture alone, as a sole authority for what believers are to accept as their authority for life and faith. The Apostle Paul believed in Sola Scriptura as well, long before the Reformers. And before Paul, our Lord Jesus Christ held to the sole authority of God's Word as well. Scripture here, what does it say? Scripture is personified. It's a figure of speech, it's Scripture speaking. But let me put it like this whenever Scripture speaks, God speaks. In verse 3 here, we see, it says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. 
Uh, I'm going back to Genesis chapter 15 because that's what Paul is quoting. Chapter 15. Here's their narrative. God had called Abraham from the Ur of the Chaldees. He said, leave your family. Go to land that I'll show you. Mind you, Abraham was an old man when God called him. He's 75. Can you imagine that? Many people have been 10, 15 years into their retirement. They'd gotten the gold watch from their employer. God says, Abraham, your life is just now getting started. You're going to move. And in chapter 15, Abraham wondered about the promise of descendants. Verse 2, it says, Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me since I am childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? In other words, why don't you allow him, my servant, to be my inheritor? After all, Sarah and I are going to need somebody to bury us. We don't have any children. There's no offspring born in my house to be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him in verse 4. This man will not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body. He shall be your heir. Now, Abraham's an old guy. By the way, I had a man tell me some years ago, not long ago, he, was, he claimed to be a preacher. He told me at my age that my wife and I were going to have a child and we we're going to have a certain name for him. I said, that's nuts. <laughs> No, he didn't mean adopt one that we were going to actually have. I said, do you know how old I am? He misinterpreted scripture. This is for Abraham. This ain't for you and me. Praise his holy name. (laughs) Can you imagine me with a kid looking at me and my hair is white? And he said, Daddy, what's ancient of days? Are you him? (laughs) Because he has white hair, remember <clears throat> so this is this is an amazing thing Abraham is an old man and God is saying you're going to have an heir from your own body and then he takes him out in verse 5 and so he could look at the heavens and count the stars if you're able to count them and he couldn't obviously and he said to him so shall your descendants be Someone has said that the number of stars equal the number of grains of sand on all the seashores in the world. What did Abraham do? Verse 6, then he believed in the Lord. And he, the Lord, reckoned it to him as righteousness. Hmm. Tell you something. Abraham didn't do something. He believed God. He didn't do any work. He believed God. When it says he believed God, W.H. Griffith Thomas said this, that the word believe comes from the same root as amen. So by Abraham believing that God was going to do what was humanly impossible, he was saying amen to God. Because he knew that God was credible. 
that he can do what he promises even that which is seems humanly impossible and innumerable descendants would come from the body of Abraham because he believed God in our text back in uh, Romans chapter 4 Abraham believed God God credited to Abraham righteousness that word credited logizomai in the original language is an accounting term a term used by bookkeepers means to reckon it means to impute God the divine bookkeeper of all spiritual accounts put down in his ledger book the word righteous by Abraham's name every time the divine bookkeeper looks at his ledger book and sees Abraham's name he sees right by it the word righteous are justified so too with all believers when God looks at our name in his divine ledger book he sees by it justified because we believed the gospel we trusted Christ as Lord and Savior and we have the gift of righteousness justification by our name What a magnanimous gift. Romans 5.17 says righteousness is a gift. Only a gift like this could be given by God. And he gave it to us. No works are involved. Good thing. Amen. If you uh, would look at Romans chapter 3, verse 28, you can see this. Paul writes there in that text, For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. No law keeping. Justified by faith alone is another way to say it. It's credited to Abraham as righteousness. It's what it says in Romans 4, 3. Now, I want you to understand something. Faith is not righteousness. Faith is the instrument by which Abraham received righteousness. In your residence, you have a plumbing system that carries water through pipes into your kitchen into your faucet we can liken the plumbing system to faith and we can compare the water to righteousness faith is the instrument or means by which we receive righteousness the righteousness that is imputed to us Scripture is clear that faith is the means. It's the instrument whereby we receive the righteousness of God. And I can back this up. I had you look at Romans 3.28 a moment ago, did I not? 
it says, for we maintain that a man is justified, hear the words, by faith, instrumental, or means. Romans 3.30, since indeed God, who will justify the circumcised by faith, there are the words, and the uncircumcised through faith, is one, means. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, therefore having been justified by what? Faith. Romans chapter 9. Verse 30. You can look at the bottom of the verse. In Romans 9, 30, you see two words. And they are by faith. By faith. All those words tell us that uh, the means of our receiving righteousness is by faith. The words faith credited as righteousness that we just saw here with Abraham is shorthand for faith being external righteousness that is credited or imputed to us by God. It's the idea. Now Paul is going to continue back in Romans 4. He's going to continue to demolish this idea that works, human achievement, law keeping, all of that uh, is impossible it is inconsistent. It's um, incompatible with what God does in justification. Verse 4. Now to the one who works, his wage is not credited as a favor, but as what is due. Now, he goes into the workplace, if you will. When you work, you earn a wage. It is not credited as a favor. The word favors charis in the original, it means grace. Your employer, when he gives you your paycheck or puts it into your account electronically, however you receive it, he is not doing you a favor. It is not an act of grace. You earned it, hopefully. It is what is owed to you. It's an obligation that is to be given to you because you earn that money. Now verse 5. But to the one who does not work, he's making the application now to the spiritual realm. He is talking about justification. But believes in him who justifies the ungodly. His faith is credited as righteousness. One who doesn't work. Let me tell you something. One of the things this verse teaches us is this. God does not save those who trust in their own works. If a person is saying, I've got to add a little bit of something here, I've got to do this, God says, I can't save you on that basis. I'll only save you if you believe me. God justifies those who believe him as Abraham shows. 
And it says here in the text, who justifies the ungodly. I have that underlined in my Bible. You know why? Because every single human being born in this world, save the Lord Jesus Christ, is ungodly. Ungodly means those who lack reverence for God, devotion to him, and who do not worship him. They're the ones that Paul indicts in Romans 1.18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. And unrighteous is men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. God justifies the ungodly, and that includes Abraham. Abraham was not born righteous, right? Abraham, when God called him from the Ur, the Chaldees, was a worshiper of the moon god, Nana. He had no doubt gone up to the ziggurat and stood there and worshipped that god. His dad was an idol worshiper as well. God called him from there and justified him. That's good news. God justifies the ungodly. Because all unconverted people are ungodly, so that means that God justifies you. He declares you righteous if you believe him. You don't have to go do anything. You don't have to get your life cleaned up. You don't have to start trying to do good stuff to try to earn God's favor. Well, I'm trying to work. my. I'm trying to do something. No, 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 no. You just have to believe God. Thank God for that. We don't have to try to do something to merit God's favor, his grace. In fact, you can't merit grace. That doesn't make sense. Because grace is freely given, cannot be earned. God justifies the ungodly. And when the ungodly man expresses faith in God, it is credited as righteousness. I'm going to tell you what happens. When we believe God, as I've indicated already, he credited to our spiritual account this was a legal act of God, the judge of the universe, who imputed to us the righteousness of Christ, the perfect righteousness of Christ. Why was that necessary? I'll tell you something. God can't justify people who are not actually are are not righteous and he imputed the righteousness of Christ to our account and can justify us. Reformed theologians refer to Christ's act of obedience, meaning that he fulfilled the positive demands of divine law. People sometimes wonder, why didn't Jesus just come down from heaven on Friday, <laughs> go to the cross and pay our sin, and then go back up to heaven and tell you why he didn't do that? Because he had to live a perfect life in order that that perfect life could be credited to all of us. 
He had perfect righteousness. He fulfilled all the demands of divine law. He loved God the Father perfectly. He loved his neighbor perfectly. Where we fail and routinely fail, Jesus perfectly fulfilled the law of God. His life was perfect from beginning to end. He walked in perfect obedience to God and everything. And it is that perfect righteousness that is imputed to us. Given to our account. Now, I, I want to uh, say to you that Abraham, he um, heard that God's plan included justifying the Gentiles. That was God's plan all along. All the way back in the Old Testament. Paul in verse 8 says this Galatians 3 8 the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying all the nations will be blessed in you God's plan when he called Abraham from the Ur of Chaldees when he gave him a plan in Genesis chapter 12 he said all the Gentiles will be justified all the nations will be blessed in you Gentile justification by faith that means you and me. Now sometimes people want to know, well, what about um, Jesus Christ? Where does this fit in with Abraham and all the Old Testament people? Well, this is how it fits in. Jesus said in John eight fifty six that Abraham rejoiced to see his day. He knew that Messiah was coming. The promises that he had made to him, Abraham and Isaac and to Jacob, were going to be culminated in Messiah. All the Old Testament believers were saved or justified by the same method as Abraham. They were justified by faith. The late Dr. James Montgomery Boyce, in his commentary on Romans gives us a survey of some Old Testament figures who were saved by faith alone looking to Christ he interviews first Adam the first man he sinned and the interviewer, Dr. Boy, said, Did you believe that you could be saved by works? Or did you anticipate the coming of Jesus Christ and ground your faith in him? Adam replies, You know that after I sinned, God came to me and announced the coming of the Savior who would crush the head of Satan, and I believed God. But what about Jacob? I wasn't saved by my works or by my ancestry either, even though I was the grandson of Abraham. In Genesis 49.10, he believed that there was going to be a ruler. The scepter would not depart from him until he came to whom it belonged. And that was a reference to Messiah. I was saved because I believed what God said about the Savior. What about Moses? Moses, how were you saved? 
Moses replied that even he believed in Jesus Christ and not my ability to keep the commandments. Why not his ability to keep them? He was the lawgiver. The Lord told me, Moses said, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among your brothers. I will not put my words in, I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell them everything I command. Deuteronomy 18, 18. I was saved because I believed that promise. By the way, boys didn't say this, but I'm going to add this. This text applies to Jesus Christ because Acts chapter 3 verses 21 through 22 tells us so. What about David? David, you were called a man after God's own heart, weren't you? Yes, David replies. That means you tried to think and act as God does. Does that mean that you were saved by your own good works or obedience? David explains that he was an adulterer and a murderer. If I had trusted my works, I wouldn't have a chance. I look forward in faith to that one who God promised would sit upon my throne forever. What about Isaiah? Isaiah says, I look forward to the, quote, man of sorrows who would take my transgressions on himself. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah 53, 6. Daniel? <laughs> Daniel prophesied the coming of the anointed one. 9.25 of Daniel. Micah. prophet what about him he revealed that he Messiah Jesus will be born in Bethlehem of Ephratah remember Micah 5 2 boys and as I'm throw this one in remember uh, Rahab the harlot justified by faith Remember Ruth? Justified by faith. All these people believed God. All have been saved the same way. They were justified men. If you're a Christian, you're a justified person. You've been declared right. You've been declared righteous. If you're not a Christian, you're not right with God. Rather than being in right, the right with him, you're in the wrong with him. His condemnation rests upon you. His wrath is being revealed from heaven against you. You must be right with him. That's why I say the most important question of man's existence is this. How can he be right with God? Why is it? Because eternity is at stake. Yes. 
people die either right with God or in the wrong with God. When it all boils down, that's all that really matters. You want to be right with your creator, and he's provided a way for that. He says, believe me what I say about my son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Come to him by faith and in repentance. Submit your life to him, and he will save you. I will save you, and I will give you his righteousness, and you will be right with me. Then you are good to die. You know you can die all right if you're saved. You're good, as they say, to go. Go into heaven, into eternity, if you're right with him. If you're not, you're not ready. Remember a preacher, pastor, his mother was ill, and he had gone to talk to her. She's in the hospital. She wasn't doing well. He exits the uh, hospital room and said, she's not ready. Not ready to die because she wasn't saved. But you know, whether you're ready or not, you're going to die. When, when we were kids, you know, we played that game, hide and seek. Ready or not. You want to be ready. You want to be ready. Let us bow together in prayer. Our God and our Father, we thank you for justifying grace. We thank you for salvation has been given to us is no through no work of our own no merit of our own but simply because you deigned to do it this way you granted it to all who believe in you lord i pray for anyone in this room at this hour anyone listening live stream who uh, has not come by faith to christ the risen lord and uh, that you might open their eyes and redeem them they may be justified people. And for us who are, we pray that you help us rejoice in our justification. Walk in humility and joy and thanksgiving to you for what you've done for us. For you have settled our eternal issue forever. And we bless your name for that. Pray these things now in Christ's name. Amen.